Welcome back, everybody, to Seize, your favorite podcast dedicated to ocean entrepreneurs and startups. Today's episode is sponsored by Azure Design, a web design service aiming to help impact-driven people and organizations amplify the good work they do. If you're looking for a new impactful website, check out the description of this episode for more information and get 5% off any package when you mention Seize. Let's get into today's episode. the podcast. I'm super excited to have you today to talk about sustainable travel. So you are the CEO and co-founder of Zublue, which is a dive uh, travel platform to search, compare, and book scuba diving and underwater adventure travel worldwide. You guys offer more than 800 different uh, options to, to clients. And your mantra is you can travel green while exploring the blue. Before we start to talk about Zublue and what's that business, I'd love to hear about your personal background. What did you study? Where are you from? Um, and what led you to where you are today? Uh, yeah, great. Um, well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm always happy to talk about oceans and fish. Um, so hopefully you can keep me on track. And I don't yeah. get carried away too much talking about a particular <laughs> species for, for, for a number of hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of my background, um, I think I was always very much uh, in love with the oceans from a young age. Um, I was very fortunate. My grandmother lived out in Portugal, um, not far from some nice beaches. So in the summer, we were always out there, um, you know, in, in the sea and um, all I was doing sort of kind of diving shows of my dad in the pool or, or something. So I was yeah, always very happy in water. Um, but I think it was when uh, I, when I, I left school at 18, not in a dramatic way, I just sort of had finished school before going to university um, and uh, took a year out, went um, to Madagascar to help as part of a kind of research project where we were assessing reefs and and the biodiversity of them so that the government could make a decision about kind of where they wanted to put protections in and so on um so they taught us to dive and, and we had three months out there they're working and um just fell in love with it and uh i bought a very uh crappy little camera um but for some reason mine was the only camera that survived the remote and harsh conditions of where we were living So I was able to kind of take some photos that were then used towards science papers and things like that, which was just really nice to see the power of photography and helping push things forward um, from a conservation perspective or just telling stories. Um, I then went back to the UK and did an internship at a, a sort of private bank for six months and wondered what the hell I was doing, heading down this path of finance and, and everything. Um, so I, I was offered a, a job out in Malaysia to go be an underwater photographer, videographer. Um, so I thought I'd take one more year out before going to university. That year became six, much to my parents' <laughs> concern. Um, but uh, I was then very fortunate to travel around Asia predominantly for six years, um, working in different locations and telling telling underwater stories essentially um and just sharing sharing the good 
but also um, you know sharing some of the bad of what was going on as well. Um, so that was great fun, um, good to do while young. But then I started having aspirations for for bigger things. Um, so I went back to London for a bit, did a degree while while working with a with, with a financial services firm. It's very fortunate to sort of be taken under the wing of the CEO there in a sort of right-hand man, dog's body sort of way. So it was almost like a little PhD in entrepreneurialism for a few years. Um, and when I had all of those sort of skills and confidence, I was sort of willing to go back to Asia um, to tackle the idea of Zublu that had been brewing in the background for a while. Um, but now I had the kind of skills and the confidence in myself. I was ready, ready to go after it. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So you have a some professional experience that influenced you into, you know, jumping into the entrepreneurship route. I'm curious to know, was there any entrepreneurs in your family? Um, is that something you kind of grew up around or is that something that was completely new to you? Yeah, I mean, I think I was the, the handy thing with the, 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 the work at the financial services firm was that it was just a bit of everything. Um, I was chucked into solving, you know, a rebranding of one of the companies or fixing a marketing problem, or if there was an operational issue that needed improving or a, a assessment of a new investment opportunity. So it kind of gave me a lot of, it, it allowed me to sort of touch on a lot of different things. So that old phrase of, you know, not really being a master of anything, but kind of all right uh, at most things. Um, that's quite helpful in entrepreneurialism because you get chucked into dealing with corporate administration or legal documents. And so having touched all of those at some point in my professional career was, was quite helpful. Um, family wise, I know my uncle is an entrepreneur, um, but I, I'd say probably a lot of the, the value has come from my parents who just very much encouraged you know, curiosity and are willing to try new things and, um, you know, being willing to fail, which I am very bad at being willing to do. Uh, but, <laughs> um, I guess that's part of being an entrepreneur. You just need to, you know, keep going and keep going and then get knocked down and keep going again. Um, especially as a travel business through COVID. Uh, but so, yeah, I think, I think a lot of it's probably come from my parents, that willingness to, to take on challenges and give it a go and, and see what happens. And, um, yeah. That's great. And can you tell us about what did you notice that gave you the idea to start zoo blue and how did you, you know, um, took a step to start this journey. You also have some co-founders. So how did you start the project with those people? Yeah. So I think the idea had been brewing for a while through all of the, the work as an underwater photographer and videographer. Um, not only was I getting to travel to amazing places, but I was meeting travelers or, you know, scuba divers, ocean lovers in those places. And they would see the photos we were taking or publishing. And you'd always get questions, you know, where, where did you see that? That looks amazing. And, you know, when, when should I be there to get, you know, that experience with that manta ray or that whale shark or, and who should I, who should I dive with that you recommend? You know, it was always that sort of what, where, how, when, why kind of questions. Um, and it, and we sort of, well, I realized we were building up a huge bank of knowledge about solving these kind of experience problems. So that's when it comes to ocean travel, 
it's all about the experience. That's what people are wanting. They're wanting to have an encounter or, you know, a, in a memorable moment underwater. Um, so finding the right experience at the right time of year, because seasonality is important in the right place, maybe on the right moon cycle, because that's also important for some things as well. That, that level of detail is critical for, for people wanting amazing ocean experiences. Um, and no one else is doing that. No, the Expedia's, the booking.coms, they aren't structured in a way that solve for that. So we've, we've set out to solve that experiential conundrum about, you know, what, where do I go, when, where, what, how, why, when, um, so that's sort of where the driver came for it. Um, and it was, uh, at the end of my honeymoon, when we were kind of, um, when we'd headed out to Asia, we were about to move to Hong Kong. Um, uh, my, uh, wife, um, or Lindsay, she was doing her yoga teacher training course. And, um, I just had a month to sit down quietly and start planning it, which was a real, a real luxury. It wasn't being squeezed in around work or, you know, commuting, whatever it was, there was a whole month to sit down and sort of ideate it and plan it out. Um, and then while I was doing that, I met an old colleague that I'd worked with before, told him what I was doing. Um, and I'd worked with Matthew previously and he was on board straight away. So we set out on the journey of trying to, trying to make it happen. So that was awesome. all the way back in 2017. So yeah, we're coming up to, I guess, sort of six years or so now, uh, on, on this journey. A journey. Yeah, definitely. And you guys started right before, before COVID. So that, that was probably a, um, you know, it's yeah. already is such a challenge, I'm sure to jump into entrepreneurship, start your own business. But when you start a travel business right before a global pandemic, um, yeah, that's definitely a challenge. And I'm, I'm glad that you guys are still up and running today. Um, so can you tell us concretely, yeah. what is the difference of your platform versus, uh, the platform that are out there like Expedia and, uh, bookings that are maybe offering some kind of, we know they're not focused on ocean travel, but they might offer some ocean yeah. experience. Um, we, I know you talk a lot about sustainability and, um, you know, eco friendly travel. Uh, so I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess there's, there's quite a number of different factors that make us different to, to others. Um, I think one of the main, one of the main things is that we have been to all of our destinations firsthand. You know, we know the partners, the resorts, the liverboards that we're offering. So we, despite being a global travel platform, um, we, we have an incredible amount of knowledge and are very intimate, um, with each of our destinations and are very close with all of our partners. Um, you know, I like to joke that we're actually on first name basis with a number of fish in different destinations in the world, because you know, we're so close to it. So that, that knowledge is pretty incredible. Um, and when guests come to us wanting support in making decisions, you know, they're getting to rely on years and years of experience and knowledge that ensures they make the right travel decisions. And we've, we've tried to condense all of that knowledge, <clears throat> um, into a, into a travel platform and provide tools that are easy for people to use. Um, but we still 
are a travel agency, not just a sort of faceless travel platform. Um, so all of the team that help our guests, they're all incredibly experienced, incredibly knowledgeable. So you get a real personalized guest concierge service with us, um, as well as kind of getting to leverage the platform that's focused very much on people wanting to book ocean travel. So all of our packages in, can include all the activities you want to do. We sort out all your transfers from when you land in destination to, to leaving. So the whole thing's sold for you. Um, and you can have the confidence in booking through us that you're going to get the experiences you want. Uh, obviously the oceans don't always do exactly what we want, but, um, but we've got it, we've got pretty good at, uh, doing a little ocean dance and, and throwing a bit of extra luck, luck, our guest way if needed. Um, when it comes to the sustainability and the conservation side of things, um, you know, we've been in the water a lot and we, you know, we can see the impact we're having on the oceans. Um, not only is there all of the, the trash and the waste that's, that's going in, but, um, <clears throat> also just as tourists, uh, tourists or scuba divers ourselves, I think there was, um, a recent paper that came out that sort of had highlighted that 88% of scuba divers will touch the reef once per dive, um, which is a worryingly high number. So there's an importance on helping guests become more aware and more conscious of scuba divers. Um, but that is really helped by promoting the right businesses that are trying to do the right thing themselves. So even if it's just as simple as the dive guides giving very, very good briefings before diving and enforcing good behavior underwater, like that, those little steps already are starting to make changes in terms of how we engage with the ocean. So we're trying to focus on the operators that are doing the right thing and are on their journey to get better. Um, and then that gives us the confidence that our guests are going to be cared for and given a correct and conscious, sustainable experience and, and have carefully managed interactions with marine life. So we're not impacting their behavior and so on. Um, so yeah, choosing the, op the right operators is really important for us. And we're really proud of all of ours. Um, and we're also now, uh, we've always tried to help educate our guests more, but we're, we're going to try and be even more proactive now. And um, we've got some new initiatives, um, coming shortly that will hopefully kind of, uh, allow people to be very proud that they're a Zublu guest and when they arrive in destinations, you know, they're going to be seen slightly differently because they know they're a, they're a more conscious diver and they're trying to do things the right way. So some fun, some fun coming, coming down the line very shortly as well. Definitely. Can you give us a couple example of adventure that people could book on your website? I'm curious personally. <laughs> Yeah, so we, so, um, so at a very broad level, uh, we, we generally focus on resorts. Um, uh, so that's on land, um, resorts that will then have dive centers that take, take people out. Um, we've got liverboards, which are the, um, boats you stay on and cruise around destinations. Um, we have charter yachts, which are more private, uh, options. So they can be, you know, families or groups of friends and you personalize those. Um, and we also now have what we call our eco ventures. So we've par partnered with organizations that offer 
kind of internships or research opportunities. So guests can go stay for you know a couple of weeks or a few months and get involved in research and sort of giving back in a positive way. Um, in terms of some more specific experiences, um, I think one of my highlights is a uh, place called Hanifaru Bay up in um, Baratol in the Maldives. Um, it's a kind of key-shaped uh, bay and on the right tides, a whole load of uh, plankton gets caught in the bay. Um, and then that attracts uh, huge numbers of manta rays and sometimes even whale sharks will come into this bay that's only you know the size of a couple of tennis courts really. Um, so having 200 plus mantas in there or you know multiple whale sharks all just feeding on the plankton, that's a pretty cool Nat Geo level experience. Um, and that only happens for a few months a year and it, and it and it's really good on certain tides as well. so, so having that knowledge uh, about when to be there and so on is, is pretty important. Um, but that, I think that's, that's, I was very fortunate to be there right at the beginning of the discovery of this, this location and, and to be able to kind of help document it. Um, definitely had some of my favorite underwater moments in that, in that little bay for sure. Sounds like a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel like there's a shift maybe since the pandemic in the type of travels that people are doing? Do you feel like there's more, you know, consciousness about the environment, um, especially maybe when it comes to people who don't interact daily with the ocean, like not professional diver, just regular people. Do you feel like there are more out there trying to look for those sustainable travel um, experience? Yeah, for sure. We've we've definitely seen a big increase, um, and that's why we launched the eco venture side of of the platform to kind of allow people to find these impact experiences more. Um, so we see, so we've definitely seen a lot more engagement in those, um, and and we generally just see a lot more questions come through about you know how the resorts are run. Um, or how our boats are run. And, you know, you can see that there's more, you know, the experience and price is still always gonna be primary drivers of, of travel decisions ultimately, but but we're seeing those questions come in more and more now about, you know, what, what are they doing correctly? Um, how are things run? They, they really wanna make sure they're making decisions and going with the correct operators. Um, so we're definitely seeing that, that, in, that engagement, um, and people are also asking a lot more around what they can do when they're in destination. Um, you know, can they participate in cleanup dives or can they help in some way, um, you know, at, you know, at a local school or, or something. So there's, there's a lot more effort to have impact in destination. Um, there's obviously. A lot of people still that are, you know, travel is part of your, your, you know, your reward and your escape and, and, and your passion. So, um, I'm certainly not saying that everyone's doing this, but, um, we're certainly seeing increases, uh, in, in those that are, are wanting something deeper and, and, you know, arguably more meaningful than just sitting on a beach for a week. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, 
but there's so, a lot yeah, of cool stuff just there's... in the water if you if you uh, dip your toe in so i highly recommend it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I guess that's, that's what you need. But that's interesting that you say, I guess people are looking maybe for more transparency about what they're actually, you know, paying with their own money. That's, yep. that's great. And uh, hopefully it's going to, you know, keep growing as a movement yeah. or it's, mindset. Um, it's um, a challenge yeah. with one of the challenges um, we also see is not only are, you know, the travelers are asking a little bit more, um, but there's uh the operators find it hard to talk about the good they're doing as well um there's a very very high you know level of demand on people the moment they start going oh we're trying to be better we're trying to be eco-friendly we're trying to be doing the right things suddenly the expectation is you've gone you should have gone from zero to being you know 100 and absolutely perfect and people almost get nervous about talking about what they're doing at the resort or you know the one they managed to to be improving things on their journey um so there's a kind of communication challenge between encouraging businesses to talk more about just the little steps they're taking on their journey um so that guests can get more information and and have more transparency so they can make make decisions but there's a little bit of that sort of you know uh all or nothing kind of uh, approach, which I think we need to try and erode a little bit and allow us to be a little bit gray, but at least going, you know, a little bit whiter if, if that's the goal um, at the end yeah. of it, uh, uh, or, you know, or getting, you know, just getting on the journey um, the right way uh, rather than, you know, having to go from zero to hundred and not talking about it until you're perfect, um, which, which seems just a bit, bit of an unfair expectation on on businesses so um i think the you know the little little blue steps or little green steps we're taking um is all we can keep doing yeah absolutely and i think also as individual very few of us are perfect in that sense of you know um recycling yeah. composting making sure we're using um product that are not harming um you know, our planet that's in the world that we live in, realistically, it, it's very hard to be 100% all the time. Yeah. So I think it is, yeah, it is definitely important to let those business, uh, especially local business, uh, like where you are, that might not have all the infrastructure to, you know, yeah, maybe, exactly. maybe they recycle, but they don't compost. Well, eventually, maybe they'll get there. But for now, if they don't have any uh, infrastructure to do it, it's, it's, still hard for them um i'm sure do you at zublu offer support to the business you're partnering partnering with uh in helping them on their sustainable journey or you're more um you know providing them clients and it kind of stopped there and you can share their sustainability uh, stories or is there some kind of support on the greener side yeah so at the moment we're not we're not acting as an assessor or, or you know, or a, or a policer ourselves. Um, you know, when we partner up with with our with our with our partners, um, you know, we do like to learn more about them. Generally, we've been at these resorts or on the boats ourselves, so we know them firsthand. We kind of almost know the managers and the owners of all these these properties firsthand. So we have that intimate understanding about what they're trying to do and, and that they're trying to go the right way. Um, 
But in terms of the support, um, we're very proud to be partnered with um, the Reef World Foundation that have an initiative under them called Greenfins. And they are a, a assessor that helps businesses specifically kind of get through or navigate their, you know, their greenification journey. Um, so uh, we, we work closely with them, try and encourage our partners to sign up with them more so they get those um, tools and access to that information. Um, they've recently launched a digital membership opportunity. So you're not needing necessarily assessors to be flown out to come and see your resort and check things. It, you know, you can sort of start on your journey just through some self work and self reflection and self policing. Um, so having, you know, that expertise in, in the third parties, such as reef World foundation, um, is very, very helpful. Uh, and that sort of just allows us to kind of build the community, which, which in the scuba diving world is, is very tight. A lot of a lot of businesses will start collaborating with each other to solve for lack of infrastructure as you mentioned you know if there isn't composting opportunity or recycling opportunity you know maybe a few resorts will get together to, to solve it rather than it just all being on the burden of one um, so that's really nice uh, and then moving forwards you know we want our guests to be part of that journey of improvement as well to go to resorts and ask questions or, you know, to, to sort of see what, you know, why aren't you doing that yet? Or amazing that you are doing that and talk about it positively. Um, so, you know, I think, I think tourism can be used very powerfully if it's, if it's supported in the right way and given the channels for it to do so. Um, so that's, that's hopefully a, a key role we can, we can play moving forwards as well. Thank you. That's great. That through you know another partner that might be more aligned um, with that mission of making those organization more sustainable you can um, help your partner and uh, I since this is an entrepreneurship podcast I'd love to switch yeah. on the entrepreneurship financial side I think that's something that in the blue and green space not a lot of people talk about um, and it's important yeah getting money to start your 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 project your business is is part of the equation um so i'd yeah. love to hear about how did you guys started uh zoo blue did you you know got some grant or did you invest in some of your personal money obviously if you're comfortable sharing that but i think it's very useful for people to hear about different journeys, we had people that, you know, got some grants, some people got angel investors, some other people are still running on their own, um, like profit revenue and got family and friends help. So I think yeah. it's, it's uh, an important conversation that we definitely want to include more in this podcast. Yeah. Early, early 2017, when this was when, was when I was starting to kind of really formulate the idea and get it down on paper a bit more and, and plan it out and, and sort of understand what budgets might look like around it and things. Um, so uh, early on was very lucky to get, you know, supported by family and friends at the beginning who saw, you know, um, saw the, saw the idea, my passion for it. Um, obviously they kindly had a bit of confidence in, uh, in me to maybe pull it off. Um, and we, you know, put in a bit of uh, our money as well. And um, my co-founder obviously invested too. So that initial sort of, you know, um, 
founder founder funding with some family and friends. Um, we then did the first sort of year and a half just running on that and and getting the first version of the platform up, getting some early traction. Um, and we were then picked up by an accelerator program based in Hong Kong um, in early 2019. And that was, I think, when the scale of what we were doing was um, uh, accelerated somewhat, which is, is kind of what's meant to happen on those things. Uh, and I think other people saw a bigger vision for for it than than perhaps we initially did. And um, and that was a very very exciting year of a lot of a lot of hard work, a lot of growth, um, a lot of pushing things forward. And as that year continued and things got better and better, there was even more interest in, in a wider, you know, the wider opportunities of expanding us out of Asia, where we were focused initially to becoming more of a global platform. We had very much an Asia focused audience at that time, whereas we knew, you know, the European market, the US Canada market, there's a, you know, a huge amount of ocean uh, lovers, scuba divers there. So there was a global vision for it. Um, so we then went and uh, raised a seed round um, led by uh, Wavemaker Partners. Um, they're not specifically focused on ocean, but the name um, was rather fitting. Uh, so they led our seed rounds and we had a number of other um, fantastic investors, whether it be kind of impact focused or just incredibly experienced businessmen or business women that could give us advice. So I was very, very proud to pull a seed round together, not only getting that funding in to accelerate us further, but the wealth of knowledge and experience that was coming to the table to support us as well. And we pulled that off just before COVID really bit. So, you know, that gave us the ability to not just survive really, but to focus on what was important next. Um, so we went through you know, two years of building out the platform further, expanding our offering and just engaging with, with consumers and, and travelers, not booking them anywhere, but just, you know, bringing them closer to Zublu. Um, so that, that was a lifesaver in terms of that funding round. Um, and now we've come out the back of that and things are just uh, flying along. So um, we have raised another round um, led by Wavemaker again, and that that's very much about driving us forward at, at high speed. And, um, you know, we're beginning to start thinking about uh, things like Series A, um, but we're not trying to jump through those steps because that's what startups do. I mean, we want to be hitting that if we need to, if we, if the business requires it, um, if there are opportunities worth going after that, that need that funding, um, at the moment, we're just very much focused on getting as many people in the water as possible and having amazing experiences. And, um, I think we kind of stay true to our passions then, then generally things are going to keep going the right way. So, so we're very much focused on that. Um, but it is a, it is a challenge. I think, you know, you were highlighting it in the question at the beginning, when you're starting an ocean business or a, any business, you know, there are those questions, does it need funding or does it not? Because if you go down the funding route, that's a very 
very, very different journey um, with different challenges. Uh, but once you are on the funding route, I, you know, I, we were very, yeah, I probably get challenged for saying we were lucky. You know, we, you know, it was a lot of hard work, but we, we, we worked hard to find brilliant companies and people to invest in us. Um, and that's not always a luxury startups have to be able to choose who invests in you. Um, but I think being re relentless on finding amazing people to come in and on your journey is really critical because it pays off in dividends down the line as well. Um, yeah, I think that that probably be one of my main advices if you are fundraising is to really, really be very diligent in who you, you know, bring on your journey. Um, yeah. That's great advice. And I'm curious to know, um, most of the startup we spoke with that went through some kind of um, raising uh, funding for their enterprise, for the company, yeah. they were product uh, startup. So they were offering some kind of physical material product. You guys are in a sense more a service uh, yeah. startup. Do you see any difference? I'm I'm curious to hear you on that in the funding um, process. I wouldn't say there's. Well, I mean, I I I guess we've I I can certainly say I know our funding journey has been unique, um, but I guess everyone's everyone's is. Uh, um, I wouldn't say probably there's really so much difference at a high level. Um, I would say investors look for different things. Different investors are excited about different business models. Um, a lot of that will be related to their own domain knowledge and what they know and understand and what they're excited about. Um, the, the challenge with someone like Zublu is, you know, we're creating essentially a marketplace where we're, we're having to build three things simultaneously. We're having to you know, build a community that, that, you know, trusts us and wants to, you know, book with us. We're having to build a travel platform from a development tech perspective that functions well, that does everything that it's meant to, that users require of it and for it to be fluid and good at converting people. And then we're also needing to build the entire offering of what we are selling in terms of building all those partnerships, those destinations, those resorts. So you're kind of having to do three things simultaneously um, and each one relies on the other to be successful. If you have a community, but nothing to, to nowhere to send them, um, they're not going to hang around long. Uh, if you have lots of places to send people, but you haven't got anyone to send, um, that doesn't really work either. So, so you're sort of desperately trying to push on every part of the business um, simultaneously. But I, I think from a funding perspective, you, you can start to see that there's different stages in the funding journey. What's important at each stage changes. Um, so at the beginning, you know, it's ideation, it's passion, it's team, it's people's belief in that you could achieve something. And then you get that funding in. And then the next stage is, well, delivering a little bit on that. So you, you've built built the MVP, got some early stage traction. So, and then you start going into, well, 
maybe revenue or sales is the most important metric and then it becomes user acquisition costs or then it becomes you know the lifetime value or the retention of of, of customers and it, i think at different stages you'll realize that that investors will be thinking about a different metric that you might not be realizing is the most important um so for us having a massive offering having offering the world in terms of destinations and having um you know amazing resorts and boats everywhere that was really critical to a lot of a lot of our investors they wanted to see that the scale was achievable and they trusted that you know in time the people you know guests would come the community would grow um whereas you know on the other side i could just be solely focused on trying to grow the community when actually if i haven't got anywhere to send them that doesn't really make sense either so i, I think for us, it was, it was a particular journey, but if anyone else starting, um, something it's, it's either really thinking about what's important, what's the important metric at each stage of your kind of funding journey, or just listening very, very intently to everyone you're speaking to about funding to see what's important to them, you know, what's their experience and, and background and, and they've seen thousands of companies where you're just in your own one thinking you're, you're doing it the right way, they'll be able to add value going, you know, you really need to be focused on this right now. And this would be our advice. You can t take it on board or not, but so listening, listening to, to others is, is, is pretty important, but I guess ultimately it's also your own, your own baby, your own journey. So there, there is an element of kind of following your gut as well, but, um, I've, I've certainly sat down with lots of other founders early on in their journey and spoken to them. And I think I've seen people focus on, in my opinion, the wrong metrics. We certainly weren't perfect in our journey, but sometimes you should almost just be throwing all your energy at one particular metric because that gets you over the next stage and then you go after the next one and then after the next one. Um, it can feel quite overwhelming trying to solve everything all at once sometimes. Um, and having a laser focus on, on one metric can be quite handy. Thank you for your answer. I know it was a pretty broad question, but I think, um, you know, the answer you provided was packed with a lot of very useful advice. And following on that, um, maybe if we get out of the yeah. financial funding world, do you have any advice for someone who would yeah. look, who would want to start a ocean business? That's a, that's a tough one. I was, I've kind of, I mean, there's so many different vari variations of business that touch on the oceans. Um, I would say. I would I'd probably say if you're doing anything ocean related, you have to be thinking about sustainability and conservation as part of that business model. Um, it is so critical right now that that is folded in to, to what you're doing. Um, it, it doesn't have to be the cornerstone of, of the business, but it, it needs to have, you know, some serious consideration. Um, if you know, just from a, from, from a practical perspective, if you want to build a business that you want to be around for a long time, you're going to need to look after the thing that 
that you that your business's foundation is built on you know if if, if we if we don't yeah. have coral reefs mm-hmm. there's not going to be anywhere to travel and scuba dive kind of thing so you know the legacy and the future is reliant on us doing the right thing so um i'd say that's important um there's also a huge amount of uh people heavily invested in the ocean and wanting to, to be involved in, in doing the right thing. So there's, there's a lot of expertise. There's a lot of investment funds. There's a lot of, you know, small family offices that are all interested in, in doing, in doing something within the ocean space. So there's a lot of hunger, uh, and passion and energy to, to do that. So if you are starting an ocean business, there are a lot of opportunities to go get support, whether it is just advice or whether it's funding or, or finding, um, finding te- people to join your team as well. I mean, there's a lot of people that have, I guess, very passionate about the ocean and having the opportunity to work in industry that's related to one of their passions is, is great as well. So it's a great space to go find resources, whether that is, yeah, funding team advice that can help accelerate you and you not kind of be that lonely founder trying to solve, you know, 70% of the world's problems because the ocean makes up 70 percent of the world so yeah it's, it's quite quite easy to to run away with it in your head a little bit and um forget how to sleep at night <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's definitely useful and i'm sure a lot of founders uh sometime are in those moments where you want to do everything by yourself but realistically you know collaboration is key especially in that sector um so thank you yeah. for that yeah and so when we're looking at the future for Zublu, is there any exciting steps coming up maybe this fall or later this year that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. Uh, oh, in the, in the, in the short term, we've got some fun stuff coming, which is all, uh, all slightly different areas. So, um, you know, destination wise, we've just been expanding into Australia. We've got some really cool uh, new places there, new experiences there. Um, I've been blown away by the quality of the experiences out on the Great Barrier Reefs. Um, it is not true in, in the whole, what, what we hear in the media about, about the conditions there. It is, it is fantastic and it's really bounced back from the coral bleaching. So, so yeah, some very exciting destinations of Australia. I'm also expanding the Caribbean more and maybe even the, the Arctic and Antarctica are not too far on the corner. So. So for our guests, some awesome new experiences um, are going to be offered. Um, from a development point of view, you can see I'm already going into the marketplace thing, you know, community platform. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, for the platform wise, um, uh, we have got a very cool update for a lot of our luxury resorts in the Indian Ocean. Um, and that's going to be coming live in the next few couple of weeks. Hopefully it will. I like to think probably make us the most affordable or best priced travel platform for luxury resorts in the Indian ocean. Um, so, you know, don't bother going direct or booking.com come to zoo blue. We've got the knowledge about the underwater worlds, but we've also got some amazing deals, um, at the resorts as well. Um, so that'll be really fun, uh, to be able to start pushing out an offering. Um, and then the, uh, other really fun 
uh, initiative, which we're launching mid-September, is going to be with Greenfins. So they have recently launched a online uh, course that enables scuba divers to become kind of more conscious and more sustainable, gives them a lot of kind of uh, tools and education through that course. Um, and as part of that at Zoo Blue, we're going to give a 5% discount to anyone that's completed that course for any of their trips they book with Zoobly Worldwide, basically rewarding you for becoming a better scuba diver um, or you know a better snorkeler or whatever. So um, we're trying to reward people who are pushing their journey forward as well. Um, so we're excited to be able to kind of encourage more positive tourism that way. Um, and then and then, yeah, we'll see see what else the future holds. Definitely is is looking blue, um, bright blue. Um, uh, you know, we've we will be expanding things more. We've got new activity verticals. We want to add um, more destinations to come. Um, so yeah, there, there'll be a lot happening next year as well. But we've got some really fun things coming out over the next few weeks um, that hopefully everyone will enjoy. That's very exciting. And we'll make sure to put, you know, all Zubli's information in the description of this episode. So if people wants to, if people want to check out all the amazing adventure that you guys are offering, what is the ultimate dream for Zublu? Um, I mean, I think the ultimate dream is, you know, for us to be playing a really positive role in ocean travel. Um, in all aspects of it and and be very involved uh, in all parts of 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 the ocean travel industry whether it's helping guests make better decisions becoming more knowledgeable engaging the oceans better um making better travel choices um working with our partners more helping them um you know, we're, we're also looking at some other fun things around, you know, potentially blue carbon contributions or, you know, more biodiversity protections or, you know, getting, you know, great to be getting involved in supporting, you know, uh, marine parks and, and things like that. So I think we can, we can become a very powerful tool within the industry and help, help be a part of empowering others um, on their journey as well. I think that would be, that would be the ultimate legacy is almost not to just be known as a travel platform but but you know more of a sort of ocean advocate and and an impactor in, in a positive way um yeah that would be that would be really nice uh one of the loveliest things we get which motivates us a lot is is our guests going on holiday and then they'll whatsapp or email through a photo of the first manta ray they saw or a video of the first whale shark they encountered and or it'll be you know the photo of their daughter with the dive instructor and she's just got certified it's like that that's creating that bond between us and the oceans once that's done uh people are in love with it and that's a very easy way to start getting things moving forwards. Um, you know, if we can get more people in the water and appreciating how amazing it is, um, I think that'll be, that'll just naturally be very powerful in itself. So, um, we're also going to stay very much focused on, on getting people on the water and, 
and falling in love with the oceans more. Yes, that's that's amazing. And yes, definitely once you fall in love with the ocean, there's um, no coming back. <laughs> no, um, not at all. Yeah, yeah. You do have to come up for air occasionally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Adam, for chatting with me today. That was really a pleasure to hear more about your personal journey, but also about Zoo Blue, your diving travel business um, and people will be able yeah. to follow you guys with all the information we'll put below and thank you so much yeah great absolute pleasure lovely to share our story um, and you know uh, the details will all be included so if anyone wants to reach out to talk about fish or business or however you know <laughs> feel free to do so I'd be delighted to delighted to help awesome thank you Thank you so much to our guests for being with us today, sharing their stories and the insight of being an entrepreneur. If you enjoyed this episode, as always, please leave us a review, a comment. We'd love to hear what you think about our conversation with these very inspiring people. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at seas.co. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. This episode is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and you can watch it so you can see us converse and have amazing conversation with people all around the world. Thank you so much for being here and we will see you in the next one.